Happy St. Patrick's Day. I hope your whole damn weekend is festive. Uh, I'm Jim McGinnis, and this is my new cap. My son Danny bought that for me. What do you think? Um, maybe you're taking part in the parades in Chicago, New York, Boston, Savannah, or right down here in Melbourne. Or maybe you're sitting in the dark uh, listening to Van Morrison. No matter. I hope you have a great time. Here I am, uh, an Irish Catholic descendant of the 20th century urban America. You know the one. The patchwork of ethnic neighborhoods sewn into in the industrial northern cities. But I was no city dweller and certainly no northerner. My roots are here in the Florida sand. I came along years after my family made an exodus from to a once sleepy little town on the east coast of Florida. My family brought to the Jim Crow South a rough urban Pittsburgh Irish, but I also grew up with a great appreciation for the ways of the South to the point that it annoyed my father. Uh, as only he would say, just because a cat has kittens in the oven, don't make them muffins. My sister got married when I was very young and her husband, Jim, traced his Florida roots back to the 19th century. He did his best to instill Florida and Southern traditions in me. My family, the ethnicity was so thick you could cut it with a knife. We celebrated being Irish at every turn. Although my friends' perceptions of the Irish were almost cartoon-like, I was always made to feel unique and blessed to be who I was. But even before the ways of the immigrants got to me, the Irish was stewed here in America, in this place where everything influences everything else. I was in the soup. I was not Irish. I was Irish-American. And who knows more about being Irish-American than Dennis Leary. And St. Patrick's Day is really about Irish-Americans. These are some selections from a glossary he wrote about being Irish-American. Hope you like it, along with Stella's barking out here in the backyard. Being born Irish in America has become a privilege most of us take for granted. The days when no Irish need apply signs hung from every other job front are so distant that they shock our sun-protected ears upon retelling. We grew up in the shadow of Jack Kennedy and the Duke, drinking Guinness out of gas-powered cans while watching U2 perform live at Giant Stadium, where cops, firefighters, athletes, doctors, lawyers, bagmen, senators, presidents, and heads of state. Dennis, don't forget those teachers. Okay, so we still haven't had a pope, but look at the bright side, neither are the French. What follows is my own glossary of terms for those precious few who may still have trouble understanding what it means to be an Irish American. Sit back, crack open a can of Denny Moore beef stew, suck it down in two quick, huge gulps, and fall asleep. When you wake up in four hours' time with cotton mouth and lower gastrointestinal pain, read on. Bread. Irish bread, 
fine Irish delicacy made from equal parts butter, limestone, and lead. See paperweights. Cabbage. Corned beef and cabbage. Only eaten on St. Patrick's Day, probably with green potatoes and milk. Why? Never mind why. Just shut up and eat, and then wait in your room until your father comes home. And after he's through with you, I'll bet beans against baseball bats. You'll think twice before you put a cherry bomb in Sister Agnes's Catherine's desk again. Civilization. How the Irish saved civilization. It's one of my favorites. I remember my father saying that John Lennon, though born and raised in England, was actually Irish. This stems from the age-old Irish-American desire to make all things Irish. For instance, Robert De Niro, that Italian-American acting icon, is actually half Irish on his mother's side. Ditto Marlon Brando, not to mention Al Pacino, and Woody Allen, and Abraham Lincoln, Elvis, Jesus, Mother Teresa. That's a rumor I'm starting anyway. Clinton, Bill. Big, loud, brazen, short-tempered, stubborn, overweight, and underread guy. And he claims he's only half Irish? Day. St. Patrick's Day. A holiday based on the work of an Irish holy man whose main miracle was chasing the snakes out of Ireland. The fact, there were no snakes. The country had been on a century-long bender born of British oppression, and they had all had the DTs and thought they saw snakes. Patrick came in, made 7,000 kegs worth of coffee, and five hours later, the sober, snake-free masses declared him a hero, a real saint. Of course, facts can be painful. I mean, how do you explain to a New York City full of 12 million green-faced, green-beer-swilling, green-bagel-chomping Irishmen, not to mention the green for a day so I don't get the crap beat out of me Puerto Rican, Chinese, and Pakistani party participant, that St. Patrick was a fraud? Answer, you don't. You eat the green bagel, you drink the green beer, you sing Danny Boy in a holding cell with 75 other guys till 6 in the morning, and then you go home. God would have wanted it that way. Divorce. Well, you get two years of, after two years of marriage to Mary Feeney, the sultry redhead from down the block, after realizing that you also married her alcoholic old man Billy, who's got the gout, Vietnam vet brother Wiley, Whitey, who's paralyzed from the neck up, and 67 other blood relatives in range and condition from slightly stupid to clinically insane. Fighting, fist fighting, invented by the Gales as a way of settling family disagreements and handed down thereafter from generation to generation, immortalized by John Wayne and Victor McLaughlin in The Quiet Man. Organized as a sport when several Irish Canadians put on their skates and pretended to chase a small black scone around a frozen pond in between beating the ever-loving daylights out of each other. Gab, the gift of gab, supposedly given to the precious few by birth, allowing them to con their way out of every situation in which the truth would get them hurt or dead or both. Gaelic, what your Irish-born parents, uncles, aunts speak after fifty fingers of whiskey. Several English phrases may still sneak out, such as Fulkin hell, Fulkin Brit bastards, and where's my Fulkin teeth? Guinness. What tastes like God's nectar on the soft green plot of old Ireland tastes like flat coke with a chocolate yoo-hoo mixer here in the States. But that doesn't stop every third, fifth, and fifteenth generation pink Irish Mick 
from downing 77 pints of the gooey mess in fake Irish bar after fake Irish, Irish bar, of course. Their blood <coughs> alcohol levels reach to the heights of the Empire State Building and they feel the need to vomit. Joyce, James Joyce, better known as Jimmy, lives on 2nd Avenue with his parents, drives a purple Nova and dated your sister for half an hour in the 10th grade, sits in Breen's Tavern drinking piss-warm harp and rants about the British government while putting away two packs of parliaments, unaware of the irony involved, doesn't know anybody named Ulysses, and at Tommy Finnegan's wake drank 17 pints of ice-cold Guinness before puking in the coffin. Novenas, what your mother says 14 of after she hears about your divorce from Mary Feeney. Paneling, the Irish-American opiate, a symbol of success for the working and middle class, and easy to clean. You don't. Paneling and plenty of it. The living room, the den, the bedroom, the bathroom, the kitchen, ceilings and walls, even the car, a station wagon with fake wood paneling on the side. Nobody has ever taken credit for inventing paneling but I'm pretty sure it was a short, heavy-set Irish-Italian uh, guy who walked away from Sullivan's Bar and Grill one night after a heated discussion of Italian versus Irish literature with several bruises on his face and desired to revenge. How about paperweights? Irish bread, video copies of Far and Away, scones, the Clancy, Clancy Brothers box set, Ronald Reagan's autobiography. Spring, Irish Spring. Look, I've been to Ireland. I grew up in America around Irish people. I've never smelled anything even remotely resembling the smell and odor of this green and white striped soap. You want a soap that smells Irish? Pour half a glass of Jameson and a pint of Guinness into a stopped up sink. Add a dash of milk and a slice of cheese and then dip your face in it for 45 seconds. That's what being Irish smells like. You too. Your little sister wanted Bono when she was 13. You thought in five or seven years, time should get over it. Unfortunately, during that half decade, your old uncle Anus, pronounced Anus, much to your entire Irish-American family chagrin, has come to see the band as the Irish version of the Beatles. And your sister, now 28, still wants Bono. And your Aunt Eileen considers you two and the chick from the Cranberries to be far superior role models than Sinead O'Connor, who's the one rock star you'd pay to meet. Such is life. Well, thank you, Dennis Leary, and happy St. Patrick's Day from the McGinnises. Hope you have a great weekend. Sláinte. Fair winds. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Stories We Can Tell, and I'm Jim McGinnis, wishing you fair winds.